Hey, this is Josh Davis. I'm the pastor at Grace Point Fellowship, and this is our podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so we can get you these messages every single week. We're thrilled to be able to share this weekend's message with you. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. How you guys doing? You know, I have to apologize to the second service for last week. Do you know who, got, who taught second service last week? Yeah. Okay, it was Nick Cook. Yes, so I did not introduce him, so I apologize for that. Nick and I go back a number of years. He's Red Rock Cowboy Church um, out in Sam's Valley, and he's relocated down to Sam's Valley. So he, he was uh, in town, so we're able to take advantage of him while he was in town, while Josh is on vacation. As you figure, Josh, his vacation, I have to talk to his mother. He doesn't know how to take a vacation. You know, he works. He can't, when he gets back, you know, he's going to have the laundry list for what we're going to have to do for the next year. That's not a vacation. He, he's planning out the next year. But anyways, um, it gives us the opportunity. Stu was in the pulpit um, the first week of July. Then we had Nick Cook last weekend. It gives me an opportunity to share with you guys. And next week, we'll have somebody else. And before we get... Uh, Josh back, so we miss him, but it's, um, I'm going to say it's a well-deserved vacation, but he doesn't know how to vacation. I'll talk to him later, since, <laughs> Mom, you failed, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> She'll get even with me later. So anyways, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Romans 12, 2. And actually, I'm going to back up one, one verse in Romans. And what we have here in Romans, we have Paul uh, teaching to the church, obviously, in Rome. 12, 12, 2. And we're going to start in verse 1. And here we have Paul saying, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them, and he's referring to the bodies, let them, your bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now into verse 2 he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So again, think of the context that we, we have here. He's wanting our bodies to be a living sacrifice to him and to allow us to have the transformation, to be transformed. And I I think when we think of the word transformation, um, we think of a caterpillar. As a caterpillar crawls and spins the cocoon and it emerges as a beautiful butterfly. Our life as Christians is this period of being in the cocoon to allow us to be what God wants us to be. And the word um, that we get transformed from is from the word metamorpho, which we obviously get the word metamorphosis. So think of this period of time of us here on life is a time of transitioning. As we go through life, we have opportunities to become more Christ-like. So right now I want you to hold on to that thought, and I'm going to stop and we're going to open in prayer. Heavenly Father, I'm just so grateful that we're all here today, Father, and we have an opportunity to uh, dig 
a little bit deeper into the word father and, and how it applies to each of us personally, father, how best we can open our minds, but more importantly, father, open our hearts to what you want us to be. Father, I'm grateful for the fellowship that we have here, the family that we call Grace Point Fellowship. Be with us this morning. We invite you here with us. Through all things, Father, we give you thanks and praise. We lift this all up to your son's holy name. Amen. Amen. I have a question for you guys. Have you ever wondered why God didn't allow dogs to speak? Think about it. Unlike humans, they can only communicate by their actions. So they will demonstrate their love through their actions. And again, this referring back to what Paul's saying. It's, it's the body. It's, our body is whole. I mean, it, it includes not only the physical aspects of our body, but it's the spirit and it's the mind in all things. But here, in the case of an animal, a domesticated animal, their only way that they can show their love and devotion is through their actions. So for those of us, as we're going through this transformation and becoming more Christ-like, our actions are going to speak very loudly. And things that Paul is wanting the Romans about is not to become engulfed in the ways of the world. So I'm going to share something, my favorite topic to beat up, QuickBooks. And for those who don't know, I was trained in finance and eventually was in accounting. And the issue with QuickBooks, QuickBooks has transformed accounting standards from what I learned when I went to college. And I'm, I have to tell you, when I went back to college, we did accounting, we were literally paper, and we were doing the debits and credits, and there's a joke that would run that you had those big old wooden desks, if you saw movies, where you have these big huge wooden desks and they had sets of drawers on either side of the, wheel, the chair well. And on each of these drawers, or sets of drawers on the right or, right or left side, you could pull out like this little tray that would give you an extension of your desk so you could spread out your paperwork and get a little bit of extra work area. But that was a great place to put lists, put things like these little Quicket notes, uh, for phone numbers, people you call frequently. And there was a standing joke that there was this one guy who worked as an accountant, and every day he would come to his desk and would slide one of these extensions out, and he'd look at it for a minute, and he'd slide it back in. Finally, one of his co-workers approached him and said, I noticed every morning when you come in, you sit down, you get your desk, you get prepared, but you always slide this open, and you look at something for a minute, and then shut it back. What are you doing? And he goes, well, I just have to remember that debits go on the left, credits go on the right. <laughs> and for us, though, it's like getting back to basics. It's like we get caught up in the things of the world. We need to kind of every now and then check in to make sure that we're not going off track. And we see this with airline pilots. Airline pilots are on a schedule, maybe three, six, 12 months, of constantly being refreshed, being retrained on learning the basics, learning how to handle emergencies. And for us, we, we need to be the same thing. When life hits us, where, where are we going back? Where are we plugging into? Where are we going back to basics? Peyton Manning, for those who are sports fanatics, 18 years in the NFL, 
he was an all-star quarterback. First with the uh, Indianapolis Colts, and he finished his career up with the Denver Broncos. He had a couple of Super Bowls under his belt. Lots of rec NFL records were set. But what he would do at the end of every season, he would call up his college football coach, and he would connect with him. He would go back to wherever that college was and connect with him and go over the basics of what his position was, how to do his line, how to huddle his players. As he'd get back to basics after a successful season, he'd still get back to basics. And for us, we quite often, as we achieve a goal in life, we forget about those basic skills that allowed us to achieve these accomplishments, either a career, hobbies, sports, relationships, marriage. Unfortunately for, for us now, as a society, less and less people are looking at marriage as an option. Um, the National Center for Family and Marriage Research study they did back in March, they said that only 31% of those who are of that marriage age are considering marriage. And, they, and back in 1970, it was over 76% of those individuals who were in that age group, and I think it was like from 21 to 55 was the, was the group that they were studying. And they were asking, why wouldn't you make the commitment for marriage? And, and that was literally that. They would not make the commitment. 24% of those who weren't considering marriage said that the commitment was the major reason they wouldn't consider marriage. Another 30% said it was a lesser consideration, but it was in their thought process of not getting married. And unfortunately for us, we see more than half of the marriages in this country end in divorce. The statistics for a Christian versus a non-Christian is not significantly different. Unfortunately for Christians also, the amount of addictions for alcohol, drugs, eating disorders, mental issues are not significantly different between a Christian and a non-Christian. And it gets back to us about being committed. Are we willing to make commitment? And a lot of times we don't. We've got caught up with things of this world. We've become caught up in ourselves, thinking that we have this all figured out. For those, of those who weren't here last week, Nick Cook came up with a term of tapping in. And he did this because he, he was, his uh, message was based on 2 Kings 13. Um, and it was verses, I'm just going to use verses 17 and 19 to recap what Nick was sharing with us. And, and to give you the background, what we have is we have Elisha. She, he's, he's on his deathbed, literally. And the king of Israel is in a position where he, the country is about to be overrun. That the enemies are literally at the front door. And he's asking this prophet for advice. He's too, the prophet is too weak, but he said, I will help you. And this is what he asks. This is what he asks of the king, starting in verse 17. Then he commented, open the eastern window. And he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow, Elijah. So shoot the arrow, Elijah proclaimed. This is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Ammon. For you will completely 
conquer the Armenians at Epet. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck them on the ground three times. But the man of God, Elisha, was angry at him. He said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. You sh- you, then you would have been able to beat Aram until he was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. Do you see the analogy here that's being painted? Is that we have these successes in life, but we, what Nick was saying is that we're not tapping into the strength of God. And this is what he was trying to explain to the king, is that through our victories, through our trials, we should always be plugging in to where we get our strength. And I think sometimes it comes down to we doubt who God is. Sometimes it's a lack of faith. Sometimes we get caught up in the things of the world or we're caught in our own strength. We think we got it all figured out. This last few weeks, um, I came across something that I've learned um, maybe three or four years ago. We did the Daniel plan here. It's a ministry out of uh, Saddleback Mountain, Rick Warren's church down in Southern California. And the Daniel plan is a biblical weight loss for those who are struggling with uh, weight issues. In one of his modules, he had a, uh, a renowned um, brain expert, Dr. Daniel Amen, and he has like 12 clinics across the country, and he specializes in brain injuries and understands how the brain functions, probably better than anybody outside of the person or the God who created it. And here's some statistics. If, you, if you're wondering how, what a marvelous creation we are, Let's just concentrate on what the brain's all about. It weighs about three pounds, something we can probably easily hold in our hands. It has the texture of jello or egg whites, so I'm seeing it's kind of, yeah, oozing through my fingers. And the composition is about 80% water. The brain, though, is estimated to be about 60% fat, making it the fattiest organ that we have in our body. The brain is, according to the clinic is the most complex organ in the universe. So here, if you guys, I'm gonna have you guys do a little exercise. If you have a bulletin, piece of paper, pull it out right now, grab a pen, and I want you to write on this piece of paper, a thousand, one, zero, zero, zero. Because here's something I want you to comprehend. The brain has a hundred billion neurons. So you got a thousand written down. We can all comprehend what a thousand is, but to comprehend what a hundred billion is, add eight more zeros to what you just wrote down. Think of that. This three-pound organism that you can hold in your hand has a hundred billion neurons, basically nerves or cells in this teeny little organ. And on top of that, if you want to add two more zeros, it has trillions of connections to other cells. This didn't happen by accident, folks. This was done by a creator. The human brain can transfer information at about 270 miles per hour. And there's over 100,000 miles of blood vessels in the brain. 
I want to know how they figured it out. Were they at the clinic? They had a couple of college interns come in, handed them a tape measure. Here, go measure this. Tell us, report back how many miles of uh, brain, blood vessels we have in the brain. But can you understand the complexity of what we have on top of our shoulders? Each person has about 70,000 thoughts a day, basically broken down to 35,000, half of them being a verbal thought, and the other 35,000, the other half being a visual thought. So women, wives, now you understand why the husbands, when we come home, we don't share much. We've already thought these words. We're not going to speak anymore. So we're, we're, we're thought out. So just to let you understand that. And here's, <laughs> here's another thing to think about. While awake, the human brain can generate enough energy to power a light bulb a light bulb that's between 10 and 23 watts. I wonder if they knew that when they came up with the expression being dim-witted. <laughs> and here, I'm going to dispel a myth for you. It's a myth that we only use 10% of our brain. The loss of 90% of the function would likely result us being in a vegetated state or being dead. We need and use all our brain although we aren't using every single neuron at every moment. So my whole point on this is we have a brain that's wonderfully created, wonderfully complex, but it's that brain that sometimes gets us in trouble. We're in a circumstance that we need help. And the complexity of this brain the creator of this brain is asking us to reach out to him, to connect with him to get through our issues. But no, we're going to sit back and try to figure this out ourselves. And for us, as Christians, it's the challenge, is that someplace along life, we're going to encounter something that's of this world, that we've, in our arsenal of dealing and coping with life, is going to be a solution of this world. And we're going to draw upon that solution that may have given us comfort and just given us an answer in the past, but we're going to find out it's not working. It's like, what do we do? What's our recourse? How are we going to respond to this? All of a sudden, we're in a crisis, and what we would go to, solutions that were of this world, aren't working. So for us, it's again, getting back to the basics, being committed to what we did the first day that we accepted Jesus Christ into our lives. For me, it was always having an individual who was that mentor, that counselor that I could go to and share what my problems are. What, what are my struggles? I need help. I need direction. Well, unfortunately for me, at this point in my life, those people have all have all cashed in. They've, they've accepted the reward. So I'm physically here by myself with one exception. Many years ago, down in San Diego, when I was still a relatively new Christian, I went through a one-on-one -on -one discipleship that's really called one-to-one -one discipling. And it's done by Multiplication Ministries out of Vista, California. And that person is still somebody I'm in contact. So we're growing we're transforming, hopefully, together as we go through our life. But I have my workbook that I refer back quite often when I'm 
struggling, when I'm feeling lost, when I'm not responding correctly to those challenges in my life. And so I'm going to go through this quickly. Um, there's eight things that I want you to share. So if you have, if you're taking notes, the first one I want to share is the attributes of God. And the scripture I'm pulling up is 1 Chronicles 29, 10 through 13. Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone. You, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand and at your discretion. People are made great and given strength. Verse 13, O Lord, O God, we thank you and praise you for your glorious name. This is written by Ezra in the Chronicles. The whole book of Chronicles is basically a history of the Jewish nation, but it's recapping after they have been released from captivity. So again, here it is, as they're acknowledging the fact of who God is, they're saying, oh Lord, you're the great greatness, you're the power, you're the glory, you're the victory and the majesty. Everything in the heavens on earth is yours. It's that acknowledgement that we have as understanding who God is in our life. The next thing is that when we, when we struggle is to acknowledge we have his written word, the Bible. In 1 Peter 2.2 says, like newborn babes, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow, grow, that's a transformation, so that you'll grow into the full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. So we have to understand where Peter is, what the audience he's speaking into here. Here we have Peter speaking to the first century church. It's the Jewish converts. It's the Christian Jewish community that he's teaching to. And they are experiencing prosecution, not only from the Jewish leaders that they've rebuked to join Christ, but also the Romans. The Romans are trying to get rid of these Christ ones, these ones who are following Christ. But early in Peter, in that same book, you have Peter in 1.7 saying, these trials are only a test of your faith. So like us, as you deal with the tribulations that you're dealing with in life, is that it's merely a test. It's merely a test. Persevere. But how are you going to persevere? Well, the other tool we have is prayer. And again, Matthew 7, 7 says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. So why are we praying? Well, right here. This is Jesus speaking here in Matthew 7, 7. It's keep on asking. How do we do that? We do it by on our knees in prayer. And why do we pray? To glorify God. And also, here we have Jesus saying, commands it. And why another reason do we pray? Well, how are we going to receive something if we're not communicating with them? So it's our opportunity to communicate with God. It's also an opportunity to enter into fellowship with God. 
The other thing that we see is that Jesus did it. Jesus set the example for prayer. He prayed to his Father. And for us, as we pray, we're an example to others who are struggling with life that they can also pray. But here it comes down to turn it back to ourselves. It's an opportunity for spiritual growth. That transformation, it's an opportunity to grow. And finally, it achieves results. So here's the challenge that we have, though. It achieves results that glorifies God. And here's the rub that we have as Christians. Quite often we pray, and the results that we get are not what we think they should be. And that's an area that we struggle with it. That's sometimes why we don't go to prayer. Well, it, it presents any more challenges, God. I don't like that answer. But you understand the challenges that we have that God's presenting is for a purpose. These answers that he's providing is another opportunity for us to grow because it's glorifying God. It's not something that's self-serving. It gives us the opportunity to grow, to grow closer to him. And it also allows us to take the next step of growing into a spirit-filled life. 1 Corinthians 2.14, we have Paul saying in verse 12, um, going back to verse 12 on this one, is that we will receive God's spirit. We will receive God's spirit, not the spirit of the world, but God's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit words to explain spiritual truths. But people aren't always spiritual, can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit needs. So again, as we continue to grow and lead into God, becoming more Christ-like, we're going to experience this spiritual growth, become more spirit-filled. It's a part of the transformation that we're going to experience as Christians. Then also as part of this transformation, it's fellowship. In Matthew 18, 20, we read, for, for where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. We have the Holy Spirit with us right now. But here's something that fellowship's important about. It gives us accountability. When we get into that position, when our ego is all built up, when we thought we were great in accomplishing something, I'm going to tell you there's nothing better than having a group of guys to humble you when you're going and you're boasting, hey, look what I did. I can tell you that's the team I work with here. They always are humbling me. It's like, I think some people call them critics. I'm going to say they're brothers in Christ. I'll deal with them later. But no, seriously. But it's seriously, the fellowship gives us the accountability. It also allows us, when we get caught up in our ego, that we have that bit of humility, that we come back to basics. And right now we're in a, a society that recently, we're hearing a lot about the word pride. And there's nothing wrong with the word pride. For us, you should take pride in the accomplishments that God has allowed you to do, maybe pride in a job well done. But however, pride taken to an extreme is an unwarranted self-esteem issue. 
And this is what, what's good about fellowship. You have that accountability. You have that ability to have somebody that brings you back to earth, brings you back to basics, to understand where the blessings are coming from. And for us, again, we see in Matthew 4, 19, it's part of the witnessing. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. Well, it's funny that we see this in Matthew that Jesus is saying, I will show you how to fish for people. And it's the first chapter of the New Testament. But it's interesting that the Old Testament ends with Malachi. And Malachi is there. He is warning the nation of Israel of where they're headed. They are headed for doom. And the reason why he's warning them is their willful disobedience to God. It's beginning with their leaders. It was beginning with the priests that they were leading the nation astray. They had contempt for God's name. They offered defiled sacrifices. They led others into sin. They broken God's law. They kept God's tithes and offerings. And they called evil good. They became arrogant, that ego coming up thinking they have everything under control, that they're doing this under their own power. But here's the most important thing, their relationship with God was broken. So for us, we have to be standing strong against this, that we're not caught up in our own accomplishments. We're not caught up in our own deeds, thinking we're doing this all of our own accord. So the other issue that we have to deal with is understand temptation. Again, we have Paul in Romans, uh, Romans uh, 6.13. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil, to serve sin, any part of your body. Going back to Romans 12.2, it's a 12.1, is, is the whole body. It's a living sacrifice to God. Don't let this become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. But for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. And then finally, for all of us, it's obedience. And this is Jesus speaking in John 14, 21. Those who accept my command, commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. There's a promise. We talk, Nick was talking last week about promises. Here's a promise that we can all claim. I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Imagine that through the Holy Spirit that we have the opportunity to know who Jesus Christ is. So folks, I want to wrap this up. We have a lot going on. Um, we're going to have a baptism here during our closing song. Uh, Amy will be coming out with children from a children's class and one of the the kids is going to be baptized. Amy's going to be doing that while we're playing the closing song. But in the meantime, I, I want to get, get you guys prepared for communion. If you haven't um, received communion, we have the cups uh, on the tables, back on either side and one in the back. Take this time to go back and grab the communion. But I want an opportunity for you guys to respond to this message. If you guys are finding yourself in this position where the things of the world are no longer providing the promises that you thought they were, that you're still struggling with issues in your life. 
and the, you need to truly get back to basics. We're going to have our prayer team up front here. I'll be up front. If you have any questions, come up for prayer. We can help you through this, through these struggles. And it's just to remember that, though, as Peter said, the trials of this life is the part of the transformation process. You're not being singled out. But God did not leave us alone. He gave us the Holy Spirit to walk with us through these times of trials and tribulation. Again, in Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And the way you think happened, there's only three times I could find in the Bible where this whole concept of transform and transform, transformation taking place. One is right here in Romans uh, 12, 2. A second time is once with Jesus, the transfiguration of him. And then finally, the day we accepted Jesus Christ into our lives, that we have the Holy Spirit entering into our bodies to give us that guidance, to give us that basics, to give us the commitment that we need to continue to become what Jesus wants us to be, what God wants us to be. Again, if this is, you're struggling with this, you need help, we'll be up front to, um, to pray with you, to help you through this opportunity uh, to transform that next step. And it is a transformation. It's a lifetime transformation. So I'm going to pray for communion. Uh, you can take communion on your own. But I'm going to ask you to lead, to think as you're praying, as we're giving thanks and praise for the sacrifice that God made with the son's death on the cross. Again, where is your commitment in your walk with Jesus? So let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful for the opportunity that, again, we can gather here together as one family, Father. And Father, as a family, Father, we walk through this life together, not only with you, Father, but we have the accountability that we have from a family called Grace Point. Father, if anybody right now is struggling, I ask, ask that you just reach out to them, Father, Work in their heart, Father. Give them the comfort. Give them the strength to renew the commitment they have that they made with you. But more importantly, Father, allow them to turn to you, to opportunity through these trials and tribulations that they can tap into you, Father. They can draw strength. They can draw wisdom. And more importantly, Father, that transformation is another step closer. Through all things, Father, we give you thanks and praise. We lift this up to your son's holy name. Amen. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also help us reach others with a life-changing message to Jesus by partnering with us today at mygracepoint.church/give. And thanks again for joining us on the My Grace Point podcast.